This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Today we're starting a new series called Check the Gages. We're going to talk about your wellness, and it's like a coaching series for the next five weeks where we talk about getting healthy for ministry effectiveness. And I want to start with a a light, and I want you to make some noise uh, if this indicator light brings you great stress. Now watch. How many of you make some noise if this light means we got 40 more miles? Yeah. (laughs) Make some noise if that light is on in your car right now. All right. Yeah. Watch this. I was shocked in the first gathering. How many of you in the last 20 years, this light has never come on in your car? Would you raise your hand? Look around the room. They've never raised their hand a day in church in their life. Like, I'm proud on this one. I see that hand. I see that hand back there. Raise your hand if you get gas when you're at half a tank. What kind of time do you people have to be getting gas that much? Are you afraid you'll run out? Is that what it is? You just never know. You never. What's that? It's cheaper. I don't think so. I think your grandpa told you that, and it ain't true. That was one of those things you just dove in on, and it ain't happening. (laughs) It's cheaper. Somebody's going to send me an article today on that and explain it to me. Many of you feel this right now in your life, physically, emotionally, financially, I'm learning, and this week I was told by the man himself, Dave Ramsey, on his podcast, said that 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So I know some of you are on E right now. Uh, Relationally, you're in a marriage or there's a relationship in your family or maybe a longtime friend that it's just not good and it's major stress. And some of you, you've allowed all of these gauges to hit empty in your life. And what's happening now is you find yourself, "Ah, do I really want to go to church? Do I really want to be there? Do I really want to worship? Do I want to read my Bible? And you're seeing how all of these gauges are linked. And a core value of our church, and we say it all the time around here, we believe every member is a minister. We don't have one or two. We believe everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone who has placed faith alone in Christ alone is a follower of Jesus and has been gifted to do ministry. And you're a 10 at something. And we need you serving. And in order to serve effectively, you need to be healthy. And you know when you're not well, you have no desire to serve other people. You don't have the energy for it. You don't have the resources for it. You don't have the time for it. And something that's been like a sacred echo over the summer for me, because I hear it all the time as a marriage speaker. When I go places and speak on marriage, I hear from singles all the time, I'm single, I'm not married. Why do I even want to hear your crummy talk? And here's what I want us to understand going into this series and as ministers of the gospel. Not every sermon speaks directly to your season or stage of life. We're in a couple of of months going to be talking to singles in a message that we're preparing for that. And and so married people might listen to that and be like, well, why, why would I need to listen to that? Because you have a lot of single friends in your life that you can minister to. Single friends, you get to be backup singers to the duets all around you. 
So it may not be your season or stage of life, but every sermon equips you to better serve others. Okay, so don't just listen for how it affects you personally. This is so important at the beginning of this series. Why? Because we don't want you to just get healthy for you. We want you to get healthy for others. If you get healthy for you so you can become an Instagram influencer and just help yourself, you're missing the point. You want to get healthy so you can more effectively serve others and glorify God. So don't just listen for how it affects you personally. Listen for how you can minister more effectively. And we believe that your personal wellness and all of these gauges that we're going to look at is directly tied to your ministry effectiveness. It's linked. And the Apostle Paul knew that. Now, you uh, did not receive my assignment a few weeks ago too well. Didn't do a whole lot with it. So for that, I'm assigning you 10 chapters of the Bible to read this week. <laughs> but I do. I want you to read First and Second Timothy. And I want you to read through it for the pastoral care. These two books, you have an older pastor talking to a younger pastor. The younger pastor is timid, who's facing a lot of leadership challenges, right? And, and, and Paul understands that when you choose leadership, there's going to be accusations, there's going to be resource challenges. You want to meet the needs of people that you're not going to be able to meet all the needs. Uh, there's going to be uh, leadership within the church struggles, and you're going to be dealing with all of that. And, Timothy, you need to be healthy. You need to be healthy to do it. And these are the five gauges that we're going to look at. And I want you to see today that they're all tied together. They're all tied together. And we're going to talk in a moment about what it means to have room to breathe. Some of you, you have a marriage that ended. And you were doing fine financially until the relationship crisis hit. And you were on E in your marriage. And that created a financial crisis. And that financial crisis maybe led you to start cutting corners and you're not making principal decisions anymore. You're making expedient decisions anymore and you're cutting corners and everything about your integrity and walk with Christ is suffering as a result. It also has created a, an anxiety in you and it's created this, I, I can't sleep, which is what we're talking about today, rest and the value of rest and God's command for us to take rest and to find rest. But, but all of these are tied together. And I remember in 2007, Amy and I uh, had lived in a home for a few years. And for the first 10 years of our marriage, we uh, would sell every two years, take the equity from that home, put it in the next home. And we were building up equity. And I was so excited. And I remember being with some older, godlier, richer men in our church. And I remember one of them saying, Ted, you really can't lose money in real estate. This, I want to remind you of the year, 2007. And then he said, Ted, I would build as big as you possibly can build. Go for it. Get the equity built up. You really can't lose. I mean, just, and I'm like, you are a godly man who's been successful in your life, so I'll do it. <laughs> and I can remember when, and, and then I asked him, I go, should I sell my other house first before I build? And the guy said, that house will sell so fast. 2008 hits. Looking around the room. Millennials, I need to explain to you something that happened in 2008. Uh, it was a rough time. Not only did that home that we were living in lose all its value and all the equity, it, was worth, it wasn't worth anything, uh, we couldn't sell it. We couldn't sell it. We, so we moved renters in, and now I have this home. I remember the first night staying in our new home that we built. There were no door handles on the outside door, so I had chairs put up against it because I'm like, when we get the money, we're, door handles are next, kids. We're getting door handles. Uh, 
But I just, I remember that season. And Amy, Amy can go back to that season 15 years ago and remembers me sitting up at night, 1 a.m. on the edge of the bed going, what have I done? I like a lot of you. I felt like a total failure. We kicked that guy out of the church that gave me <laughs> the advice. We practiced church discipline on him, and he is at First Baptist with Jeremy right now. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know where he is. I think he's in another state, I hope. Uh, <laughs> and he's a good friend. I need you to know that. You need more friends like this guy. Anyway, but I can remember. And so this is some of you. Every time you get onto your, you know, bank app, you look at it, and you're like, ugh. You can feel it. And what Paul knew as he instructed Timothy, and as you read through those two books of your Bible, what you get is this just beautiful link. Like, I, I need you, to, Timothy, I know the challenges you're facing, and I need you to be healthy. And I know the stress that you're under trying to lead a church, and that's why in 1 Timothy 5, 23, we read, stop drinking only water and use a little wine. <laughs> because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Can I tell you, this verse is not in your Bible for Presbyterians and Baptists to debate wine. It's not. This is Paul saying to Timothy, hey, you need medical help. You're you're not doing well, and I need you to be healthy because you haven't even experienced the challenges yet that I know are coming. Why? Because I've experienced them too. And I need you to be healthy. I need you to be at your best physically in this time. So today we're talking about rest, and I don't know what you feel when this pops up on your phone. When this pops up, I mean, your first thought is like, man, I just, I'm tired. Right? Isn't it interesting how tired we are to our phones? Now, when you see this, is your first thought, like, well, I guess we're done for the day. <laughs> Out of juice, can't do any more work, can't get anything. No, you don't do that. You, you go get a charger. You plug it in and you charge it. Or if you're my daughter, you go into my bedroom and take my charger. (laughs) How many of you go to bed at night and you see it's not plugged in where it's supposed to be, so you do the tour of the house to find your charger? I think all of us write that way. We would never give up on the day because our phone died. And I'm encouraging you in this series. If you're on E in any of these gauges or all of these gauges, that hopefully in the next month or so you begin to fill up. And if you don't, you have a plan for it. Some of you I know right now just walked away from a job or a job walked away from you and you're like, this isn't the time to talk about financial margin. It's exactly the time to talk about it and to plan for it, that you would be full. So let's talk about rest. Let's talk about this first physical gauge today. And we're going to start with the theology. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 2. I'm actually going to assign another chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1. You need to read Genesis 1 to understand why in Genesis 2 we read that God rested. Okay, God did not rest on the seventh day because he was tired or because he was weary. God does not grow tired. He does not grow weary. He was not fatigued. He rested, catch this, because the work was complete. And when you read, when you read chapter 1, you know what you read through that whole chapter? He created, and he saw that it was good. He created, and he saw that it was good. He created, and he saw that it was good. When you get to the end of that chapter, it says, that as he looked at all that he had created... He saw that it was very good. What a rhythm for us in a week. As we today do talk about a day for you and I to take a 24-hour period day of rest. Some of you are like, impossible, wrong time for this sermon. That as we talk about a 24-hour period of rest, recharging, plugging back in, getting full, 
as we talk about that, that you understand that at each day of the week, that you would come home after a hard day of work and be like, it was a good day. I worked. And just the work, it was a good day. And then at the end of the week, you take a day, whenever that day is. For Amy and I, it's Monday. It'll start today about 3 p.m. I'll question everything about my life from 12.45 to 3 p.m. And then at 3 to 3 tomorrow, we're pretty much, we're unplugged from everything that we've been plugged into, plugged into the true and only source of life, and just recharging. But all throughout the week, we're able to say, it's good, it's good, it's good. But in that one day, we go, it was, it's very good. Here's what we read. By the seventh day, God had finished the work. So what do we see? Rest comes after work. I've got to remind a lot of folks that. Rest comes after work. If you're applying for a job this week, don't ask, can I have time off in the first month? Not a good first strategy for an interview. Right? Put some time in. Work. Work he had done. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Again, not because he was tired, fatigued, weary. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, this is your creator, the one who created you in his image, and he knows the rhythm of life you need. He knows the rhythm of life I need. And so today what we're talking about is going to is going to hit some of us with, with, we think we know better what we need. We think we can, just, we can just work through it for the next couple of months, and it's in a busy season. We'll just, you know, work ourselves to death, and that vacation is coming. Some of you lived your whole career this way. I don't need rest. I need retirement. And you worked, 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 never understood the rhythm of rest in a weekly pattern in your life, and you waited until retirement. Today, we're talking about the rhythm that God created when he created you and when he created me. Number two, God commanded rest for his people. He knew we would rebel against this. You need to know this is the longest of the Ten Commandments, and it's right there with thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt rest. Here's what we read. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. I want to pause there for a second. It's, it's not going to hurt any of you to work six days out of seven. Some of you are like, I can't make it on five days alone. It's not enough for my family. You may need the side hustle for a sixth day. It's, we're not talking, and some of you are like, I get two days off a week. Good, that's great for you. But today we're just talking, find the one. You may need to work six. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, we go back to the creation order, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, for the Orthodox Jew, Sabbath was... Saturday and is on Saturday. We worship on Sunday. But I don't want you today to get caught up on the day of the week. We need to get caught up on rest. The, the issue here is rest. And there are some of you right now, I'm thinking about the teacher that's going, this couldn't be worse timing. You know good and well, we just started back at school. I don't need this talk right now. This is exactly when you need this talk. Farmers in here, you, you're, I, you retired from farming, but you know during the harvest season, you're like, that's seven days a week, Ted. That's sun up to sundown, and that's lights on the tractor at night. 
You do what you got to do. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 21. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. There's an entertainer in here right now going, you know good and well we're entering into bus season. (laughs) And next week we're starting Christmas practice. This is a horrible time to talk about resting a day. This is the perfect time to talk about resting. Why? Because some of you are going to lose your voice in October or November. And you're going to go visit Travis Brauner for steroids. Because you know it brings your voice back right away. And you're going you're gonna to do some things because, Ted, we got a crowd and the show must And what is Travis going to tell you? One of the elders of our church, he's going to say, first and foremost, before any immediate fix, he's going to go, the best thing for your voice right now is yes. Think about the laws that we have in our country. If you ever go by a truck stop at night, a rest area, I have been by rest areas thousands, it feels like. Maybe it's just hundreds, but I mean, the lights are on everywhere. Why? It has been mandated that they rest because if they don't, they'll kill somebody. We, you, you, you have to think of this in rhythm. So our rhythm of rest, right, is weekly, not seasonal. Teachers, you need this message now. Entertainers, you need this now. This won't be a message an entertainer in our town needs in January. Watching from Cancun. But it's the first thing some of us need to get out of our minds with the rhythm that God has placed in you, thinking a vacation will solve my problems. No, weekly rest will solve your problems. Weekly rest will charge you back up so that you can do your work more effectively, so that you can worship. What should I do, Ted, on the, on the day that I take for rest? Enjoy God, his creation. Do we live in a perfect place for this? I hope you go out on the lake today and go off to tomorrow. Some of you are off tomorrow. You're on a paid holiday tomorrow. And look around as I'm going to do and go, this is good. This is good. What he made is good. How many sunsets do we get in this town? We were showing them on the screens back here. Look at the sunset over Table Rock and go, this is good. This is good. So enjoy God, his creation, and each other. We're not legalistic about this because we're not tied to a day. We're tied to Jesus. And remember, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. Big difference. Watch what we read in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 24. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And then Jesus gives this teaching. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not the other way around, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Now, you can end there, but you got to see verse 28 because this is the key. For those of you with a restless soul right now, an empty, restless relationship, marriage right now, and you don't know what to do with the restlessness that you're experiencing, Jesus is the rest for your restlessness. And that's why he says, so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And he's saying to the Pharisees, your Sabbath rest is standing here in this grain field before you. I am the rest. God rested from his work. He commanded rest for his people. And that's why, that's why margin is so important. When you, when you get into the rhythm of rest, you're going to see the value of margin for all the other gauges. And it's why we're starting this one. Margin means 
room to breathe. It's a little reserve in the tank. For those of you who just cheered, which is the majority of the church, that you love to run with the gas light on and see how far you can go. No, margin is I got, I got a half a tank. I got a little bit that I'm able to do what I need. I love one of my favorite definitions in the Hebrew for salvation is room to breathe. When I think of my salvation in Christ alone, take a deep breath because it's not about your works. It's not about what you can do or what I can do. He did it on my behalf. And when I think about my relationship with Christ, I have room to breathe. What did the Pharisees do? They suffocated people. What, what do legalists do? They suffocate people. But Jesus gives us room to breathe. I, I love this illustration of the balloon because you and I say yes to too much. We say yes to our kids too much. Comedian Tim Hawkins says, we need to get better at giving our kids no. He said, my kids like to call me Dr. No. And he said, there's a lot of creative ways to tell your kids no. When they come in and ask for the keys, you're like, yeah, let me see what you got. No. <laughs> meeny, meeny, miny, no. E-I-E-I, <laughs> uh, -E no. This old man, he said, no. <laughs> so many creative ways to say No. But we get good at saying yes. So imagine your life and your day as this balloon. We just started back to school, so I know what the morning routine is. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Got practice after school. Guess what we get to do Saturday? All day on a field on bleachers. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Tuesday's free. Let's go to your parents' house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We feel it, and I, I used to do this illustration where I tried to explode the balloon, and I, I couldn't teach for five minutes after I blew it up that much. I don't have COPD, but I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I was like, I can't breathe. So now, but that's, that's yes, and we're great at saying yes. We can fill up our time, fill up our schedules, fill up the balloon, but you know what the greatest sound you're going to hear all day is? <laughs> Every time you say no... That's the note of your parents' house. <laughs> but we, it's not how we live. It's like, no, no, no. In America, we get things done. And we need to fill our days. You know what Sabbath is? See, I, we say no all week. But Sabbath is letting all the air out of the balloon. The first service cheered for them. No, don't cheer. No. They're far more easily entertained in that early gathering. Because they're all retired. This message meant nothing to them. Um, I hope you get that for your Sabbath. I hope you find 24 hours. If it's not this week because you've already scheduled the week, that again, it's okay out of this series that you make a plan. And what's our 24 hours? Where are we going to let the balloon go? Because margin means room to breathe, and it's the gap between your load and your limit. And you know what your limit is. Whenever I see a child melting down in public, you know what that is half the time? I don't judge the parents, but I know that child has, their load has exceeded their limit. They didn't get a nap. I remember years ago when we were starting the church and we would go out to lunch with people after every, you know, we only had one 
service, then we went to two. I would always try to find the family with the child in bad need of a nap because I knew it was going to be a chaotic, crazy lunch, and I could sit there and judge them the entire lunch. <laughs> and I would love to say, I would never let my kids act like that. But the joke is, yeah, they're acting like that because they're tired. They got no emotions left to process this day. You and I, we do this all the time with our lives. I think about going to the airport, getting ready for a trip. I got 50 pounds. I think I'm up to 70. They'll let me have 70 pounds in a bag. I've told my family, we're gone for one night. You don't need 50 pounds of nothing. But what do we do when you get there? I don't know if you've seen the... I see it every time I go to the airport. They pop that suitcase up on the deal, and there's that little deal right here, and it says 48. The, The joy that fills a person's soul... When they see 48, but your mindset doesn't go, good, yeah, send it on. You're, I'm immediately looking to all my carry-on going, I got two more pounds to play with. What can, we, what can we stuff in there? We do that all the time. Instead, just say no, and you're like, well, I got a block of time now. I got some free time that I don't have to do anything, and someone says, hey, do you have time? The answer is no. You're like, well, that's a lie. I do have time. No, you don't. You're setting that. That is margin that you're building into your life. And have you ever met a workaholic? Maybe you were a workaholic. And and you know this. Busy people, busy people, workaholics are broken people. They're broken. There's something going on that they don't want to talk about, they don't want to address, and they attack their work in a way where they, they feel like they're God. And this company won't go on without me. My family won't, I have, I have to put in these hours every day, seven days a week. Congregation, friends, family, can I encourage us? Let's stop bragging about our busyness and start confessing our brokenness. When we feel, hey, I know I'm not getting sleep right now. You hear it all the time, but it's just a season. Some of you, that's the line you've had for 20 years. We just got to get through this season. We get through this season, then I'll be able to sleep and get that seven or eight hours or nine hours, however many hours a night. I'll get it then, but not right now. I can't do it right now. Something's broken. Something needs to be addressed. Another gauge needs to be looked at. So this, let's talk about work for a second because it's important to understand. Yes, work comes at the end, but let's start with this because there's business owners in here right now texting people. Do not come to the 1145 to their workers. You don't need this message. <laughs> See you tomorrow morning. Or they're saying, I know we were going to take Labor Day off. We're working. See you at 6. Uh, hard work allows us to eat, and all God's people said. Amen. Hard work. It says in Proverbs sixteen twenty six, the appetite of laborers works for them. Why? Because they keep working. Their hunger drives them on. If you want to eat, you have to work. And I think that some of us are struggling right now figuring out. I was watching this video of these people working that fast, and I'm like, let's import some people. To the Ozark. Well, I don't know where. I mean, the guy's throwing blocks up. I've never seen that. But the problem in the last couple of years, when everybody was getting handed checks, it just demotivated all of us. Look at all the old people going, go, go now, hard on that. But you know what? It just demotivated us. And it's like, well, how do we do it? Well, we just stop giving people money and let them be hungry and get to work. Get to work. Number four. Uh, no, 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 let's keep moving. Rest follows hard work. Rest follows hard work. After you've been productive, sit back and go, that's good. And then be recharged for the next week. 
be ready to go for the next week. We looked at this in our Ecclesiastes series. The sleep of a laborer is sweet. I don't know what kind of vacation you take, but if you've ever been on a vacation where it's just like beach or pool time, and you like nap two or three hours by the pool, and then you go to bed at your normal bedtime on vacation at 10 o'clock, and you're just staring at the ceiling, because you're not tired. You, you, haven't, you haven't worked, but if you do a city vacation where your wife walks you 12 to 15 miles a day, uh, or you go to theme parks, then you can rest, right? There's something about the sleep and the rest of the one who's worked hard. But I also want to talk about your boss for just a second. It says this, whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I think sometimes you look at your boss and like, he just sits in that office. She's just standing over there. She ain't doing nothing. I'm doing all the work. You don't see them on the end of the bed at 1 a.m. trying to figure out how much of their line of credit they need to take to make payroll. It's a lot. And that's why he says it, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have friends that have owned companies with three, four, 500 employees. And I've, I've had lunch with them. And I've just seen it all over them. They weren't their normal selves. Why? Because I knew there was just so much on their plate and the emotional stress that was on them to make payroll. But man, let's, let's get to this place. And I, I love it. After a, a hard day's work, after maybe some struggles at work, maybe some difficult meetings, to lay down at night and go, that was a good day. Not because it was easy, but because we worked. Because we worked. Now here's the one, all the, I put this in here for all the employers. Too much rest makes you lazy and poor. They want you to hear this, because every time I, I do a message like this, like, man, I got a lot of people that did not need to hear that message this morning. Proverbs 20, 13 says, do not love sleep or you will grow poor. So there's a balance to what we're talking about today, right? Too much food makes you a glutton. Too much wine makes you a drunkard. Too much rest makes you lazy and poor. It says, stay awake and you will have food to spare. The last two points as we close out our time, Jesus valued and modeled rest. Everything we're talking about today, Jesus practiced and he showed to his disciples. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, and again, at our church, our passion is church health, not church growth. And we've seen a lot of growth in the last few months. About five, 550 new people have started coming to our church or just started coming back. We don't know, but we've gone from like 2,000 to like 2,550 uh, over the summer. And so when ministry starts happening and a lot's going on, you think, well, this is the time to dig in and go even harder. But watch, Jesus says, because there's so many were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. And Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I want you to hear Jesus saying that to you this week. For the restlessness in your soul, hey, get alone for a little bit with me. Open your Bible. Read. Hear from me. Just be quiet. We, we don't do well with quiet, do we? If I were to stop talking right now for 30 seconds and say nothing, you all would be like, oh, it's awkward. <laughs> Super awkward. We're not good with it. But get alone to a quiet place. Jesus valued it. He modeled it. And the final point today, Jesus is our rest. This is why we don't get caught up on a particular day of the week. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. For those, we had gentlemen uh, accept Christ in the first service. And it was like he, 
I, I just, I, I just, when I heard that, I just immediately, when he just entered into a rest he's never experienced. He's never experienced. I mean, I don't know what relational chaos, what marital chaos, what family relationships have been severed and broken through his actions. I don't know the financial mess that he's in. I don't know the emotions, but I know he has found rest. He's found true rest. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find the rest you need for your souls. This is where you grab the charger. You don't let the battery get to empty and be like, well, I guess I'm done. No, it's time to recharge. It's time to plug into the true and only source of life and find that rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I know you hear me tell stories of Gary Smalley a lot. If you've been here for a while, if you're brand new, it was a mentor of mine who loved to talk about the gauges. And when we started the church over 21 years ago, Gary would constantly be doing a checkup with me. He was a counselor. He was a coach. He was a friend. He was an elder. And he was always looking at the gauges. And in 2007, 2008, going through all that financial mess, our church was also going through a split. Painful difficult. I'll be honest with you. Amy and I were looking at houses in Phoenix, Arizona, considering taking another job, just wanting to flee from the Ozarks, flee from the mess going on here. And I just remember Gary sitting down with me time and time again. I look back on pictures from that season and, and I was not healthy and Gary knew it. And he was one that could step in and on many a drives, he would look at me and goes, you know, you're not at a healthy place right now. And I remember him just kept saying to me, I want my pastor to be healthy. So let's walk through it. And he would walk through sleep, and he'd walk through finances, and he'd walk through emotions. I mean, he was there. You want to talk about a Paul-Timothy relationship? Never experienced anything quite like it in my life. But every time I think about it, I think of everybody I'm looking at right now and everybody I see out in the courtyard, I want you to have somebody like that. This is why it's so important. I'm just done with people telling me biblical community and the gathering of the saints is not important. And you're a fool. You're a fool because you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing with someone walking alongside you going, hey, you're not healthy right now. And your kids aren't getting the best of you. Your spouse isn't getting the best of you. You're not working enough. I mean, let somebody tell you that. You're 40 years old, working 20 hours a week. It's not paying the bills. You need to get a better job. Or you need to ask for more hours. You need a side hustle. You need, I've seen you in church once a month. Let an older, wiser man or woman in this church come alongside you and say, it's time for you to get serious about your wellness because you'll never be effective in ministry without it. So grateful. And I remember Gary going, man, at, at, like at my lowest and at the bottom, Gary said, Ted, I believe it's going to take you two years to get healthy. And I'm like, what do you know? I didn't say that to him, but that's what I felt a lot of times with him. And, and he was wrong. It took about four. But he knew, and, and I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm convinced I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for that man checking on the gauges for me. And there are young people in here who have parents that could help you with the gauges, and you're being stubborn. You're not letting them help you get healthy. Lean into that. They have your best interest in mind. Some of you have a boss who walks with the Lord, loves Jesus, and they can help, but you're being stubborn at work and you won't lean in and listen and let them help with the gauges. 
I hope you'd plug in and, and lean in and connect with this series for your encouragement, for your health, so that God can continue to use you as he continues to use this church to meet the needs of those in our community and around the world. Would you pray with me? Father, give us wisdom, give us discernment. There's a lot of people in here right now. There's so many people in here right now on empty, on all five. All five gauges are, are a warning light, an indicator telling them this is not good. You're, you're about to crash. That today would be a wake-up call for them. That they would, they would understand the need for rest. And some of them, that's where they're starting with the gauge. They, they realize they... They run too hard. They say yes to too much. And they need to start saying no. They need to plan a 24-hour, not day off, but day of rest. A day of rest where they connect with you, enjoy you, your creation, and each other. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, today would be the day of their salvation. We pray that, that more today would find rest in Jesus. That they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. That they would be saved. And they would enter into just a, a rest they, that's inexplicable. They, they can't even understand. But they know it has a name. They know he has a name, and the name is Jesus. We pray this in the authority of that good name. And everyone agreed and said.